Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. This morning we're going to talk about suffering. Um, and uh, I think about, in the book of 1 Peter, it just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And kind of knowing uh, a little bit about the book of 1 Peter, um, I know that it's going to continue. We're in chapter 3, but it's going to continue uh, to talk about uh, suffering. And I realize that um, this is a, a unique time for us to even be talking about suffering. Uh, we are not, um, we're not a persecuted church by any means. We're meeting out in the parking lot, but I would hardly call that persecution. Um, in fact, some people would call it, you know, uh, you know, the rich church that gets to meet out in the parking lot, you know, and has canopies and isn't uh, in the sun. Which, by the way, if you if the sun shifts and you're in a bad spot, why don't you shift too, okay? Uh, if you need to come up to the front here, the, the cheap seats are still available, you know, the first row. Um, it's kind of like in a movie theater. Nobody sits in the front row because, you know, it's a bad seat and... Uh, Church is a little bit different. People don't like to be exposed like that. But I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to those people in the back. I just want you to know that. Um, yeah, so move as you need be. And, and also there's waters in the back if you need a water or if you think somebody else needs a water, go grab one and get it for them. Um, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to talk about suffering. We're only going to look at one verse today. Uh, I came back from vacation and... Uh, it's, you know, it's hard to get my act together sometimes and had some things come up this week that uh, love, love to encourage God's people and be with God's people, but sometimes uh, I need to preach on Sunday too. So uh, anyways, uh, I, I just want to start out in chapter five. I know I got told you, I want to share with you something um, that is kind of a concluding thought uh, that we'll get to in maybe a couple months or so, but it, it says this, uh, in chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, be sober-minded and, watch, and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, that's the reality of life, that we have an enemy, he's prowling around, and he's seeking for someone to devour. And when you think about suffering, when you think about suffering, you realize there's two agendas happening simultaneously. There's the work of God, the work of God going on, and he's working out his plan, which will prevail. There's, there's no doubt about it. It will prevail. Uh, God will not allow uh, his plan to be thwarted. And in the same time, and in the same time, the enemy has, it's a chaotic plan. It doesn't have an end game. It, it's not going to come to fruition, but it's this idea that he is, that he is trying to do something too. And we see what that is. He's looking for someone to devour, looking for someone to pick off, looking for someone to ruin. And so a, as we look at God's word today, I just want you to know that suffering, there's two agendas for it. <laughs> two agendas. The enemy is trying to use suffering in your life to train you to walk away from the Lord. It, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, uh, 
you think about those of you who have ridden horses and when you get bucked off, I know nothing about this, by the way. Nothing at all. I'm just trying to relate to you horse people that I don't understand. Um, but what, what happens when you get bucked off? You get back on. That's good for the horse and good for the rider, right? It's good. Everyone needs to learn, right? It's not game over. Uh, what's the horse trying to teach you? The horse is trying to say, I am not to be ridden. I don't like your weight on my back. You can use your own legs, okay? Uh, that's what the horse is trying to do. And uh, the, the rider's trying to say, I, I'm going to use you, and I, you're going to go where I want you to go. I have an agenda for you. And the horse is going, no, 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 this isn't. And it's this back and forth. And I want to tell you that the horse is trying to train the rider while the rider's trying to train the horse. Uh, I want to say that as we look at suffering, God has an agenda for your suffering. The enemy has an agenda for your suffering. And I I just want to encourage you today uh, that as we look at suffering and as you think back to the messages we've looked at in the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. In fact, um, I want to look at the the verse. uh, Maybe I should read the word of God for you. Why don't you stand in honor of God's word? And I want to read this section uh, that... um, we are going to look at this morning. It's only one verse, uh, but I'd like to read from verse 17 down through the end, and we're looking at verse 18 today. God's word says this, for it is better to suffer for doing good if, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we Uh, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, uh, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us now to understand it. Uh, May it be encouragement for us in these days and this day and for the days to come. God, thank you for loving and caring for us and speaking to us from your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was wanting you to see verse 17 as it ties up this great section on uh, really different ways we can suffer and reminded of Christ as we suffer. And it says, uh, for it is better to suffer doing good. Um, there, there is this idea that once you understand what God wants you to do, you should be persevering and relentless to do that. Uh, you don't have to be dramatic. Uh, you don't have to uh, sound a trumpet and make a grand proclamation but there's this idea that I'm going to keep doing what God wants me to do. 
Um, if you choose the path of least resistance, I want to tell you that eventually, eventually, you will suffer for that. Uh, pastor Michael Lohr, who is an associate pastor for a long time, he used to say, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. And I, I think that as we walk with the Lord, that's the enemy's plan, is that as he sees people uh, who are seeking to walk with the Lord, he desires to bring suffering in their life and to mess up and bring chaos in such a way that would cause us to stop being faithful. And in verse 17, the, the idea is, if, if you're doing what's right and you suffer for it, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And uh, this is another uh, reoccurring theme in the book of First Peter. As we look at this, we realize in verse 17 that uh, it says that it's God's will. It's God's will. I, I think that often we think that God's will will require no suffering and no pain. I want to tell you that's wrong. That's wrong. That's a wrong interpretation of Scripture. Uh, as we follow God, uh, His will for us uh, will lead us right into suffering sometimes. And so let us not be confused as we have to suffer. I want to say something um, about that uh, I want to be careful, not because, um, anyways, I'm just going to say something. Um, at Bear Valley Church here, uh, sometimes uh, we, and, and I'm characterizing the group of us, okay? You may not be a part of this group, okay? Uh, if you're not, p- politely excuse yourself and your heart not to. Um, but we are a church, we are a church of whiny, entitled conservative, Republican people. How you like them apples, you know? I, I, I say that, I, and I say that, and I would include the pastor, okay? And what I mean by that is this, that, that I hear pretty often in my own heart and mind, and we're not gonna take it anymore, and we have the Constitution. And we're, an Ameri- we're, we're Americans. And, and we're not going to take it. We have rights. And we're going to stand up. And we're not going to let this happen. And, and I want to tell you that whatever we do as God's people, it should be okay if we're in Kern County, the reddest county in the great state of California, or if we're in Saudi Arabia, right? That we should be the kind of persevering type people that say, I can suffer. I cannot get what I want. Um, We sang some great songs today that had some amazing lyrics. The Lord is my salvation. Did you get that? The Lord is my salvation. What happens if whatever those rights and constitutional things and amendments, you know, what if they take our guns away? Uh, What happens? You know what? We're going to keep following the Lord. You say, well, what if they they take down our canopies, (laughs) right? (laughs) We'll go inside. What if they lock our doors? 
we'll take off the hinges. <laughs> you know, we have people who know how to do stuff here, right? <laughs> what if they take away our property? We'll meet at my house. <laughs> what, what, what if we can't meet at my house? We'll meet at your house, <laughs> right? Someone's got a barn here somewhere where we can meet, right? We could put a basement in the barn if we need to, right? We'll just keep going, right? Even if we have to suffer. And this morning, as we go to God's word, I want to encourage you that we're going to be okay. Not because of the election, not because of this court and that court, the superior court here, the superior court there, a lawyer here, a lawyer there. Not because of any of those things, but because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And as we look at verse 18 this morning, I want you to see it. And piggybacking on all the, the, the challenges for us to suffer individually and as a church, piggybacking on all that, he says this in verse 18, for Christ also suffered. For Christ also suffered. And this morning, I, I want to talk about Christ's suffering my title this morning is Good News Suffering, okay? I realize putting those two things together don't really make sense, right? Good news and suffering. But I believe that uh, the good news of Jesus is the key for us to suffer. And it's this idea of his suffering with our suffering, okay? Or his suffering as a model for our suffering. It gives us perspective. It gives us a place to follow. As you think about um, many things in life, it's your first rodeo, right? Uh, you, you, you wake up and you go, oh, I've never experienced this before. I don't know what I'm doing. How can I do this? And, and I want to tell you that uh, very simple thing, that Christ is our example in all things right, is that we look to him. We are followers of Christ. We are not followers uh, of this culture. We're not followers of a party. We're not followers of uh, different philosophical people. We are followers of Jesus. A side note, it's not in my notes. I just thought of it now. Um, How many of you have thought of the Antichrist this week? There we go. Some of you were going, I didn't want to confess it, but yeah. Uh, how do you prepare for the Antichrist to come? And you go, is he really going to go here? Yeah, uh, I am. So uh, there's an Antichrist that's going to come, but there's little Antichrists that come before him. Some of them are big ones and some of them are little ones. Um, and some of them, I would even say, are littler ones, okay? And there's the spirit of Antichrist, Okay. And, and, and what I want to tell you is how do you prepare for the Antichrist to come? Is to reject Antichrist now, right? When you see people and agendas and things, you say, that's not me. That's not what I do. If someone says, I, w- I want to be clear with you. If someone says, or if you know that they don't believe in God, you should be super careful about listening to anything they say. You say, well, I really like, they're really smart. Yeah, they're really ungodly. They hate Christ. If someone says they're an atheist, they've identified themselves as a rejecter of Christ. Why do you want to know the thoughts of a rejecter of Christ? What was I talking about? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Okay. 
Um, that's what happens when I get away for a few days. I start thinking about things. Um, Christ is our model. He's our model. Our model for suffering, our model really for everything. Uh, and, and as we look to him, it gives us perspective. We, we desperately need perspective, right? Right now when things feel chaotic and uh, crazy, you want to say to yourself, how can I get perspective? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Don't turn the news on. That's not going to give you perspective. Don't, don't file through your favorite little commentators or little clips on the internet. Don't do that. Look to Jesus. I, I would even... Stay away from a lot of preachers, right? Because they got all these, they start with the scripture and then they go off to all these crazy ideas that they thought up in their own mind. Um, Don't listen, don't listen. Look to Jesus for the perspective in the midst of suffering and how to suffer. So we look at this, it says, for Christ, for Christ. And uh, as you see the word Christ, I'm giving you Christ's suffering. There's a picture of Christ's suffering here. As you see that word Christ, know this, that Peter loved using the word Christ more than even Jesus because he's pointing God's people back to not just his name as a person, but that his, his life was a plan. That he came, it was an identification that he was the Messiah as part of the plan to give himself as a sacrifice for sin. When you hear Christ, when you hear Christ, I want you to get this. This is so important. Um, you should know about the loving plan of God. The Christ is the Messiah of the Old Testament, and now he comes in the New Testament as the loving remedy bringing salvation, the sacrificial lamb who lays down his life, the one we've been waiting for, the one who suffered, the one who died. That word suffered there in other translations, it says died. And it's a struggle to translate which word it was, whether it was this manuscript or that. And it's a little ending that makes the difference. But don't get hung up on that because the idea of his suffering wasn't just that his body experienced pain, but that his body experienced pain to the point of death. He suffered and died. This is what Christ did uh, that this is what the plan was. It, it goes on to say, it says, for Christ also suffered once, once. And uh, that may seem odd because as you know the, uh, the life of Christ, there were times where he suffered along the way. It wasn't big. It wasn't significant as it was uh, his death. Even right before his death, he was flogged. Um, and, and you say, well, he really didn't just suffer once unless you include that to be his whole life. But, but the picture here is this, that he suffered once finally, finally. It, it really, this idea of this one-time suffering is not just the idea of it was one day and, you know, it was kind of, it wasn't two days or three days or five times, but it's the once for all Christ's death on the cross. It was the, the only, the only, and I'd say it this way, the final, the final payment, the final payment. You remember as Jesus was on the cross, do you remember what he said? It is finished. Isn't that awesome? It is finished. 
And because it is finished, so is the payment for our sins, past, present, and future. It is finished. And so Christ's life, as he came to be the Messiah, he died this final payment. Even as uh, the Jews, uh, you know, believing Jews would have heard, they would have said, uh, they, they would have known the stark contrast between the Jewish sacrificial system, the annual day of atonement where the priest would go and he would make payment. And uh, it's not recorded, but um, you know what the priest could have said to the people? See you next year. We'll do this again next year. See you next year. I know you're going to mess up. I know your life's going to be a mess this year. I know you're going to fail the Lord again. We'll see you next year. As Christ went to the cross, as he made the payment for sin, it was this once final payment that it wasn't see you next year. It's it is finished. It is finished. That's why we can walk in confidence today, even in suffering, right? That it is finished. It was this once payment done, taken care of. It goes on in verse 18 to say this, and you know maybe you're thinking I'm belaboring this one verse, and I, there's a lot in here that we can talk about, a ton, okay? Uh, he says, once for sins. As you hear that, you you got to think through who Christ was, right? He was, and it's going to say it, just uh, define it further in the next few words, but for sins, for his own sins? No. When it says that he made this payment for sins, it wasn't his own. In fact, uh, the idea of him being able to pay for these sins, uh, he's not talking about a particular sin, but he's talking about the mass of sins, the mass of sin, the, the cumulative effect of the sins of his people. You, you look at this, and uh, if you think this through, he's talking about Kevin's sins. Every sin that I've ever committed, past, present, and future. He's talking about my sins, but he's talking about Bill's sins, too. He's talking, I'm looking for Jeff Brader's sins. He's talking about Jeff Brader. Sometimes someone has to be thrown under the bus for a good sermon, and you know, I, choose, I choose wisely. It's the cumulative mass effect of our sins. And it says that that's the reason, that's the reason he died this once final death. He died, he suffered for our sins. And so, so you look at that and you go, um, how can I make it through this day in the difficulties that I, and when I don't get what I want, how can I be Okay. I want to tell you, you look to Christ and realize that Christ came as the plan, plan of the Father worked out in the Son. He came to do this final taking care of the, the sins that he had not committed. He, he goes on to say, uh, and as you look at this, I haven't been following my outline very well, but uh, you see that Christ's suffering, it was planned in a loving way, that Christ would come. It, it was designed to be a final way, that it would be taken care of. And now uh, we see it's in a sinner's way, not his sins, but he died for sinners, uh, taking care of that. And now 
in an unjust way. I always, uh, you know, I always think it's interesting when people talk about justice in America. We've got to have justice. We've got to have justice. And uh, I, I realize that there's many things that aren't right, both in the past and in the present. Um, there's injustice and things aren't fair and things aren't, um, you know, there isn't equality, there isn't equity sometimes. There's, there's all kinds of things that are unjust. And not just that, there are things that are, um, people are persecuted and suffer uh, for no reason at all. And yet you look to what happened to Christ and it says this, that he went about this death, this suffering. He was part, it was part of the plan of the Father. But it says in verse 18, it says, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous. Hear that. The righteous for the unrighteous. Don't ever think of yourself as the righteous one. Don't ever uh, you, you may feel that when you compare yourself to one another. I'm not like them. Yeah. I'm not like them. I'm better than they are. You know, uh, struggle in marriage sometimes, right? It's my wife's problem, right? My wife's got some problem or, or my husband's got some problem. If my husband, you know, I'm not as bad as he is. Not as many of you laughed at that as I thought. Yes, it wasn't that funny. Uh, yeah, we'll just move on. Um, it, I, I want you to get this. It, it was unjust and it was undeserving that Jesus went to the cross. Unjust and undeserving. But also know this, that when you hear that word righteous, it's not just speaking of in, injustice that's going on. It's speaking of he was the only one qualified. The only one qualified. And I'll just do the simple math on this one. Uh, can you pay for your sins? Yes, but it'll take an eternity to do so. Right? Take forever. And you can pay for your sins, but uh, can you pay for someone else's sins? No. Why? Because you're too busy paying for your own, right? You know, the eternity that it would take to, you know, like you've sinned in a way and there's a punishment for sin and it's eternal. And so, so like you can do that, but it, it's eternity, a, a payment. So, but you can't pay for anyone else, right? And so everyone would have to pay for their own sins. But how does this happen that our sins can be cleansed here and now? How can this happen? It's a debt too big for anyone to pay. How can this happen? The righteous for the unrighteous. The one that has no payment can pay for others. The one, the, the, the theology, we say it like this, the soul of infinite worth, the soul of infinite worth can pay for the souls of finite men who are unjust, who are unrighteous. The righteous for the unrighteous. Isn't that beautiful? So he died in an unjust way. He suffered in an unjust way. We move on. Um, and I want to say this before, before I move on. It was a reconciling. Uh, 
This, this righteousness that he had, he reconciled us. It, it brings us to God, it says. In, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, one of my uh, favorite verses, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to uh, be served, but to serve, and then it says this, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what happened, the righteous for the unrighteous. He gave his life to ransom those who had trusted him, the many. Well, his suffering uh, was also costly. It was a costly suffering. And uh, we we say it as we think of service, he paid the ultimate price. Paid the ultimate price. As as we look at God's word, it says this, uh, being put to death in the flesh. Put to death in the flesh. There's a huge distinction here that his physical life, some people struggle with the idea of Jesus really dying. He really died. He really had a body. He, he bled and died. It wasn't something that he kind of died uh, or that he somehow, because being God in the flesh, that he didn't, uh, he didn't experience the pain of the physical death. And he did. It's making the point here. He went to death in the flesh. Um, it was his actual uh, physical death in his body. It cost him his life. But know this, that this, this verse ends up and it's gonna uh, go on to describe a couple of uh, important things that we're gonna look at in the weeks to come. But it says this, but made alive in the spirit. I wanna tell you that um, there's a, there's a transition there in verse 18 from uh, his suffering being put to death in the flesh, but transitions to no longer being suffering. Uh, it, It says this, that made alive in the spirit, which connects us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is made alive. His, his risen existence is now the permanent life that he will never die again. And I just want to tell you in scripture, it connects to us. The resurrected body, the resurrection that Jesus won for us, we now experience at the end of this life of suffering. That's where this ends up, is life forever. I want to give you three um, summary points this morning that I, I think will be helpful for us as we think through our own suffering and the sufferings of Christ. The first one is this. We need to think more about Christ's suffering than ours. I think so often we sit around and uh, we look at our lives and we say, oh, I'm suffering here. This person did this to me. My life isn't what it should be over here. And we dwell upon our life and what it isn't and what we wish were different and the injustices that we experience. And I want to tell you that we would gain perspective and joy and help and strength if we cranked our head away from our own injustices and we look to the sufferings of Christ. That suffering that he went through was deeply connected with his love for us. And his victory is the same victory that he gives us at the end, at the end. And so we can suffer Secondly, I would say this, that this body will end. When I say this body, I'm saying this life, this physical life will end. Uh, 
Um, I, I think sometimes we, uh, we're like the kid on the family vacation, right? Are we there yet? And, you know, some parents do the five-minute thing because you think your kids don't have a watch or something like that. Unfortunately, most of your devices just have numbers, and eventually and quickly, they're going to figure out five minutes of mom uh, isn't actually five minutes, right? Mom's five minutes is a lot longer. Uh, but but I, I want to tell you, it's just a little while longer, Right? This body will end. This will not go on forever. And that should bring courage to you for the day. And then lastly, I would say this, is to dream and to uh, remember that we were made alive by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That as you think about uh, where all this leads and what we have won, even though your body is wasting away, even though this life will end, I want to tell you, because of what Jesus did on the cross and specifically in his resurrection, we will live forever. We will live forever. And so we don't need to fear or be trained by suffering. We need to persevere in suffering. Please join with me in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning and I ask that your word would continue to uh, take resident in our hearts, that you would mark us with it, that you would encourage us. God, remind us through your spirit of what you've said even this week. God, I pray that we would not um, wallow in our suffering and self-pity and what's wrong in this world, but that we would long to be like Jesus that we would suffer like him, that we would remember that our suffering pales in comparison to his suffering and that in the end, in the end, we know that this life will end and that we will experience life eternal. God, help us to live in light of that now. God, give your church encouragement today and courage for the days ahead. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.